1: You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show.
0: Hey there, and welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. This is another one of those midweek editions, and I have for the third week in a row a great NBA insider, really looks at the entire league, uh, does work with Spotrack, uh, has the front office show on uh, as a podcast. I love listening to that show. Covers the Celtics for Celtics blog and all that. So he's all over the internet. Keith Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So uh, if if you don't know, you're already here, so you should know. But if you don't, my name is Dave King. This is the Suns' solar panel, and this is uh, we're going to go through the trade deadline. We're going to talk through the rumors. We're going to relate it back to the Suns at some point here. But first, of all, I want to get a lay of the land overall. Across the league, Keith. Um, first thing, first things first, is who should make deals. And for our myopic Suns fans, I want to focus on the teams that are are the biggest threats to the Suns. Um, and uh, apologies to Lakers fans who are probably listening to this. They're 14 games back of the Suns right now. I'm not sure they're a great threat. Uh, they actually are look to me like a worse team than last year. So we're not going to talk much about the Lakers unless you hear something big and juicy about them. But what about the um, what? Who who do you are the Suns' biggest threats to win the title this year?
1: Yeah, I I think it's I'm not exactly going to be you know giving you earth shattering stuff here, but I think Golden State Utah uh, makes sense. I think I, I really love the Grizzlies. They're they're probably my favorite story. In the league this year, but I think they are probably one run through the playoffs away uh, from really be being in that mix. And then Denver, I know they haven't played that great. They're starting to play better now, but they're just kind of sticking there because they're going to get uh, two, two trade deadline acquisitions. I'm kind of doing air quotes around that because they're, they're going to add Jamal Murray at some point. And it looks like probably Michael Porter back to that mix. And that's probably two better guys than just about anybody else will add uh, at the trade deadline. Um, So that's Mm going to make them a little more dangerous. And I think they're one of those teams you look at, every year there's one of those teams that's sitting in that four five, six range. And it's kind of like, boy, they're, they're tough. Um, so those were the teams that, that I would say in the Western conference are probably the challengers to, to Phoenix, but I'll coach that with, um, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, I think the Suns are the best and most complete team in the league. Um, I, I promise I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know me well enough to know I don't do that. Um, but it, 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 they really are good. And there's just not a lot of holes um, on this team where you're looking at, oh, we have to get this or that or things like that. So I th- think um, it's nice to be in that position where everybody else is kind of playing catch up to you.
0: Yeah. So uh, Denver was a great, uh, great point. They are playing a little bit better right now. Uh, Michael Malone has been frustrated with them for not putting out incredible effort this year like he would want to see out of them. Uh, we're hearing Quinn Snyder. Uh, intimate the same kinds of things about his jazz team. Uh, He went with against the Suns on Monday night, a completely ragtag group because the entire starting lineup was out for various reasons. Um, And yet he was thrilled with the effort that they put in because he wasn't used to guys diving on the ball and, and putting out, you know, like Danielle house and and guys like that who um, are trying to prove themselves. And he, he was, he was very emphatic post game that he wishes he got that. From the from the rest of his team year round. So you've got that you've got the the jazz coming up a little short for years and same core. You've got Denver who's been dealing with injuries like crazy. Um, Golden State, uh, they just kind of blew out the Mavs last night and uh, and uh, are, are looking pretty good. I, I think they they become more sustainable with Clay Thompson as they're. Uh, second leading scorer versus, uh, you know, you're you're kind of crossing your fingers on the other guys. Um, what about the East? In the East, do you see um, as the top threats really to make the finals after half a season has gone by?
1: Yeah, I still, and I know they're a little bit down in the standings this year, but I still think the Bucks are the best team in the east i think what happens with milwaukee is i think they realized a couple years ago that winning every game in the regular season doesn't really mean much um if you can't get it done in the postseason and they learned that and i i want to say that they i this is stats probably now close to a week old but they were something absurd like 17 and three in games where Giannis middleton and holiday all played so that tells me right. that they're they're a pr- pretty complete team and they're they're mm-hmm. ready to go. I think Chicago. It, it, at some point, you hit a point of no return with all the injuries, and I'm afraid that they're starting to get to that point where they've just got so many guys out and out for long term that I'm a little bit worried about them. I think Miami is going to be really tough in the postseason, and then let's see with Brooklyn. You know, I I, I they're the kind of wildcard team i don't really know what to make of them because it's just tough in a position with the nets to fully figure out what they are because they they don't have kyrie for home games durant is hurt right now and then the last team i'll throw in there just because it'd be unfair not to is is philadelphia because if it doesn't sound like they're going to move ben simmons at the trade deadline now but if they do that's going to be a huge trade it's going to add something really good to that roster in place of the zero they're getting from Simmons. And Embiid is turning in one of those kind of all-time seasons where, you know, you could kind of go into the playoffs and say, Hey, we got Joel Embiid. We might have the best player in this series. So that's going to automatically give us a chance of winning it.
0: So you you're hearing um, or at least the chatter that we're all hearing basically is that uh, it's less likely that Simmons gets traded at the deadline.
1: Yeah, that's what it seems like at this point. It just it's been one of those where the I guess the emotional side of my brain says you have to get this done and you can't yeah. let this continue to drag on. Uh, but then the logic side of my brain says it's a big number to move. And then they're going star hunting, and those trades are not normally made in season. Uh, because of roster sizes increase in the offseason, you end up with uh, you know teams with cap space that can absorb a deal to help facilitate and those kind of things. So I do think it is likely that we see them uh, move um, that direction because I'm not sure um, it, that big monster trade that Daryl Morey's looking for is going to be there the, the, over the next couple weeks.
0: Yeah, I think every year we all hope as fans for just the – just the roster chain, you know, uh, trade deadline being crazy, but yeah. most of the time the trade deadline ends up disappointing a little bit because you get a number of trades, but a lot of those are money oriented, you know, to get a team under the luxury tax or something along that line. And OKC has to acquire a little bit of money to get to the luxury or the tax, sorry, the, the cap minimum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um do you see any real or what what would be your wild prediction? I know I didn't give you time to think about this. But <laughs> what would be your prediction of the of the biggest talent move between now and the deadline? Um
1: I I think the Kings are going to really tear start tearing that thing down. And I think it may not be something that gets everybody super excited, but I do think Harrison Barnes after, I don't know, feels like five years in a row of the, you know, he should be traded and he'd fit here, 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 and here. Mm-hmm. And you end up with a list that's 10 deep. I do think mm-hmm. they may finally move him. Um I'm not sold on this whole, you know, we're not trading Darren Fox stuff because I came from somewhere and it was a local uh, beat writer where I saw it first. And when generally those guys are on things a little bit more than, you know, sometimes the national guys are early, then then you then you see it kind of run to a national guide to deny it once it's become a bigger story so i i'm I'm watching there i definitely get my eye on that one uh with that so i don't know that it's going to be a trade deadline where we see any kind of oh my gosh this all star got traded like demarcus cousins a few mm-hmm. years ago which Prompted the whole, uh, let's do the trade deadline before the all-star break. So guys aren't finding out about a trade in post game of the all-star game. Um, I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was just an really absurd situation. Um, yes. I'll never forget watching play out live, but it is, I, I do think we're going to see moves made because I think two, two, well, not two, there's probably a few factors that factor into that. And the first is it's an extremely poor free agent class. Uh, very few impact uh, free agents at the high end level are going to be available. And the ones that are, are highly unlikely to change teams. The second part is there's only three teams that project to have cap space uh, this off season. That's not meaningful cap space. That's cap space period. Not Any teams. Right. Are, yeah. Are, yeah. Teams are, you know, we're back to a position, at least until the cap starts to jump again, where most teams are operating as an over the cap team. And then the third thing that I think really factors in is the league's really wide open. Um, I don't know that anybody can point to any one team and say, that's the overwhelming favorite that they would win. Again, I'm not trying to you know pump you guys up on your own show, but I, I think if I had to pick a team right now, I'd pick Phoenix just because I feel strongest about their depth and the way their team is put together and what they can do. But – it, it's not with a massive amount of confidence. I'm not going to go run and drop a you know a sure. huge chunk of change on a bet or anything on that because I just I, I don't you know know where that is and I think that LA leads to a combination of teams saying well we can get help right now that can push us over the top. We can also get maybe guys who are under contract for the next year, maybe even the year beyond that. Because what we've done then is we've got to jump on our offseason too. Mm-hmm. So now we we get there. And I think that's going to be what gets this market moving a little bit more. It may be Simmons is either traded or everybody says, all right, he is not getting traded. And then I think all these teams that might be kind of waiting around on him, then I think we may see that, you know, really the floodgates open. We may start seeing a lot of movement.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Eric Pincus, I had him on last week and he had the same kind of, uh, feedback that because there's so little cap room this summer and the free agent class is so light this summer um, that teams are going to be making summer. Some teams will make some summer moves and that, be, that yep. being um, it's much easier to resign your own guy with bird rights than it is to acquire somebody else's because exactly. of the cap rules. And so there may be some trades to acquire bird rights, Basically, uh, expiring guys in the next year or the year after, or whatever it is, that uh, you want to have the you know any kind of advantage you you can, especially small markets, right? Like a Minnesota or or a New Orleans or someone like that, Uh, you're not going to get the biggest name free agent, but if you acquire him, you can keep him with bird rights. So that that kind of thing might happen. That'll be interesting. let's uh so the before we move on into the suns and and we will talk uh, a good bit about that, I want to talk about the Celtics real quick. there's sure. been a lot of grumbling, not grumbling um a lot of chatter that I've seen from non well placed sources just chatter <laughs> that at some point Tatum and Brown might get broken up because they just don't fit together as the two leading horses on a team what you 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 have been a big Celtics follower you write for Celtics blog you're more ingrained with that team than just about anybody I know um what what's your take on that pairing? yeah I
1: think when we're in a position in the league where everybody wants good uh wing players that, that's just kind of how rosters are being built right now is you either need to have one or at least you know ideally two if not three or four uh I can't see why any team would willingly split up two young ones who are really good um are they perfect aren't
0: they the only two guys in the nba this year who've had 50 10 games
1: yeah i think so it's something like that (laughs) If, if not they're they're close they've had more games i think in the past like two years or something where they've both gone over 30 points in the same game than any other duo in the league which is yeah I mean, they're really, really good. They're not perfect. They've had stumbles this season for sure. Um, I think some of it was uh, – we always talk about it. I, I think to put it in Suns' terms is when they put the ball in Devin Booker's hands a lot a few years ago and said, hey, we're going to run everything kind of through you. And, boy, it was messy for periods of time. Because it's just – his his inclination is to score because – His whole life, until that point had been, get the ball, score the ball. Then it was, hey, we need you to set guys up and all those things. And it was real messy and didn't look real good, but now it's paid off. Now you have a much more well-rounded offensive player and those Mm -hmm. kind of things. And I think that's what the Celtics did this year was, Tatum and Brown, we need you to kind of run this thing. You get out there, you make the stuff happen. And it's been real messy, but the reality is it's starting to pay off. And now we're seeing it. The other thing is, and and everybody's had their injury issues this year, to be certain, but they, again, have missed more guys due to COVID than just about any team, and they have had very few games with their ideal starting five together. And when that ideal starting group is together, they're winning at like a 50-win pace. So I think a lot of it is – got blamed on Tatum and Brown when there are a lot of outside factors that that come into it. And then, of course, you have some of the, you know, hey, let's sew a little discord in there and try to get everybody thinking about it. And the more people talk about it, the more maybe we'll will this into reality because they're, they're two guys a lot of people would love to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's more people that want one of Tatum yeah. or Brown than, yep. than the Celtics wanting to trade. them. Yeah, the Celtics have no
1: interest. Anytime you can get anybody from the team to talk about it, they're like, that's mm-hmm. just not a thing we're looking to do.
0: Hey, let's take just a quick second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL players are here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team winning their game. Bet just $5 and you win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes also with DraftKings daily fantasy football contests. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. you got to be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. So now, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. First, before we talk about potential trades, I want to talk about some of the uh, one of the guy, one of the one of the guys the Suns have, a dude who by the name of Deandre Ayton. Uh, he he's got a uh, obviously a contract situation brewing for the offseason. The Suns are not going to do anything about it at the trade deadline. So this isn't necessarily trade deadline related. However, it's val- it is I want to have a value discussion with you. You're a huge cap guy. Uh, you really think about the money. You know more about the money in the NBA than just about anybody else I've, I've met. And so I want to hear your take as an outsider non Suns fan, as well as a money guy. Um, tell me who you, would you rather have Deandre Ayton at a max deal at about 28, $30 million a year uh, growing 8% a year, or someone like your guy, Time Lord, Robert Williams, at $11 million? And why and what's the difference?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And it, it's a very interesting framing of it. I think if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I would rather have DeAndre Ayton. And the reason why is he's more of a finished product. I think on both ends of the floor. Um, that's not to say he's not still improving and getting better, especially defensively. I feel like he takes a leap each year defensively just from looking completely lost and quite frankly, disinterested yeah. for a lot of yeah. his
0: rookie year. To I think he la- was, I think he was a, f- uh, a freeze, right? The flight yeah. fighter freeze. <laughs> yeah. Rookie year Aiden was freeze.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, it, it, it felt like rookie year too. It was like, oh, what is this pick and roll play? I've never <laughs> had to defend this before, and it was like such a mess. But by last year, I thought he was a really productive defensive player. I thought he was really good at holding down the back line. He's quick enough to come up to the level of the ball and do all the different things to, to key their defense as you have to. Because of that, because if you have Chris Paul, it's kind of the engine that drives your team, and this is not a knock on Chris Paul. The reality is he's old. How many years left do we have of this version mm-hmm. of Chris Paul? You need guys around him right now that are ready to win. It's not that Robert Williams is not very good, and it's not that he is um, not uh, couldn't help as well if the two of them swapped places. Um, I think he might even look a little better than he looks today on the Celtics because of playing with Chris Paul. He just mm-hmm. he he takes care of his pigs. he gets them there. But that's why I would rather have Aiton even on the max for the Suns because I'm really focused on the next two to maybe three seasons at most is I've got to really maximize this window and I'll deal with all the rest of it after uh, that, that we'll, we'll deal with down the line. Let's just really get after and try and go get a title. Cause the reality is if you win a title in the next two years, no one cares what happens a few years right. after that, right? It doesn't matter. at all They already
0: made or. the finals in his third year, mm-hmm. but people yeah. on, who are listening to this show have heard me talk about Aiden, so I won't, I won't belabor sure. that. I wanted to get your take. Let me, uh, let me wrap it up with a question like this, wrap up your thoughts with a question like this. If you had an opportunity this summer, you're the Celtics GM. If you had an opportunity this summer to uh, trade Robert Williams and let's just say nobody else of import for a DeAndre Aiden in a sign and trade on a max deal, to play with Jason Tatum and uh, and um, Jalen Brown, would you do that or would you look elsewhere?
1: I would look elsewhere only from the standpoint of Robert Williams at the roughly half, the, the third to half of what Aiton will make is going to be more valuable for the Celtics as they try to build out that roster to build more pieces. They need more depth. Around the the two uh, stars in Tatum and Brown, whereas the Suns have already built a competent roster uh, below their their star level guys, and that's where the the big difference comes in. It, it would it's not again. I think DeAndre Ayton is. Uh, worthy of a max i've been on the record of that um in the past but i think you want to be in a position if you're boston you just need that additional flexibility to build out more roster depth because you've kind of got your two guys maybe williams is your third or fourth guy but then you need everything down through eight or nine And that's where they're still Mm -hmm. trying to piece it together, where I think if you're the Suns, you've kind of got everything else pieced together. Uh, Now, just retain eight, and we're we're good to go for the next couple of years.
0: And that right there, folks, is the difference between already having the guy and using bird rights to keep them. And you've already built your team around a lower paid player before you re-sign them and keep them versus acquiring them at full price in the summer, which harkens back to five minutes ago when we said that's what teams might start doing at this trade deadline is acquiring some players that they can use bird rights for to keep while building out the rest of their team. The opposite end of that is how not to do it, which may be how we see in in retrospect right now and maybe long-term how we see in retrospect how the Lakers and Nets built their teams. Lakers and Nets built their teams based on three max, already max players. And what you see is what you get, because if those guys don't perform to expectations or don't even play in Kyrie Irving's case, now you're stuck with minimums all up and down your roster. I was watching Lakers Nets on Tuesday night, and I couldn't even stay on the game because it was (laughs) just so frustrating to see how bad everyone not named one of the top six were on both teams. I mean, nothing, nothing personal against Carson or Kessler um, Edwards. I think I got his name. Yep, right. Yep. Kessler. Would you? Yeah. Nothing, nothing personal against him, but you don't want him trying to help you <laughs> win a championship. Yep. Sorry. You just can't rely on a guy like that. And Patty Mills just isn't good enough to make up that difference. He's the best non-star player of those two teams. And he just doesn't measure up. So that's how you, you build the team on the lower salaries, then you keep the guys on the bigger salaries and that's how you keep a team going. Guess who's the standard for that? Golden State Warriors. How about we try to stay on the Golden State Warriors path and not try to go on some other path? But anyway, okay, so I'll move off of that. Thank you for that perspective because I think people really need to, that's a big thing. Like, would you would you rather have a Robert Williams? Would you rather have a, um, uh, you know, some guy making 20 million than Aiden making 30? Um, me, I'm a big, Look, I'd rather have the guy who's already proven he can carry you to the finals and just stay with that. Okay, let's talk about um, other options on on uh, both teams. Now, you guys have a guy named Dennis Schroeder who recently rumors came out that the Celtics are shopping. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on whether you think that's true that they're shopping him or whether people are just trying to make up stuff. What do you think about that?
1: No, I think that they... Shopping because it it, it comes with almost a negative connotation that I don't necessarily agree with. Excuse me. Um, Mm -hmm. That, that I think people are, they'll beat up on teams for saying, can't believe you're shopping this guy. But the reality is Dennis Schroeder and the Celtics entered into this contract agreement, knowing this was always probably going to be a one year uh, thing because it was a one year deal. They, we've talked a lot about the importance of bird rights, they don't have any kind of bird rights to resign him this offseason, yeah. so they can only give him a very minimum bump off of this year's salary to about $7.1 million next year, or they have to go and invest a big chunk of one of their exceptions or the entirety of the exception, which it's unclear where they'll be positioned with that as they have extensions kicking in and the like. So I think if you're the Celtics, what you're really looking for was – Dennis Schroeder is the next piece to come in to really lift us into being a title contender. That has not happened. Uh, they're, they're just around a 500 team all season long. So at that point, if you're Brad Stevens, you have to listen, you have to be open to moving him because you're not a title contender. He's probably not part of the long-term solution. So what does that look like now? The challenge comes is, that exact same situation exists for any team that acquires him, except yeah. unless he goes somewhere where he maybe is the lift to get them towards title contention. His play on the court, it's been very Dennis Schroeder-like. He scores a lot of points some nights. He is uh, can be extremely frustrating to watch at times with the way he you know pounds the ball and doesn't see passes and some things. But on the nights where nobody else has it going, you could throw him the ball and he might you know, shoot you right into the game. Um, rarely does he shoot them all the way out. Um, offensively, defensively, he can be kind of a mess. He freelances. He does some stuff that doesn't necessarily fit in the team scheme. But if you've got enough strong defenders around him, you can make it work and figure it out. So I think he's been kind of exactly what everybody expected him to be. Just the team mm-hmm. around him is not. That's what's changed his uh, availability at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah. uh, Suns fans, including myself, have a negative uh, thought process about Dennis Schroeder because of how poorly he played against the Suns in the first round of the playoffs last year. He shot only 30 in the 30s percents. And he was needed as their third scorer for the Lakers. And uh, that's that's putting a putting a bad taste in people's mouths as as far as him being a, a performer that, you know, somebody could. Help push them to a title. However, he was previously pretty good for Atlanta, mm-hmm. and uh, he went to OKC at, at at one point, and he played real well as a as a third guy uh, in in a Chris Paul triumvirate with Shea Gilgis Alexander. That one year that the Thunder just went from you know he was probably only going to get twenty wins to suddenly fifty plus wins, and you're in the playoffs, and they barely lost on a game seven final shot. Against the Rockets that year in that first round, mm-hmm. um, and before Chris Paul left and, and came to the Sun. So, I think my perception of Dennis Schroeder is probably worse than the reality, but the reality is not awesome either. I mean, he's, he, he can maybe get you 20 points in a night, he's definitely not going to pass too much. The only reason I, as a Suns fan, would want to acquire... Now, let's talk about the mechanics. The Suns could... He makes about $5 million this year. The Suns could acquire him for somebody who makes about that, which just happens to be... Jalen Smith, um, the guy who's on a, our own expiring contract mm-hmm. for the Suns and cannot be re-signed for any more than that. Same deal, and it could just be a swap of getting Dennis to a more winning situation and Jalen Smith to a situation where he could play some and then price himself into the market for the for the summer. Um, would you have any interest, if you were the S- Celtics GM, in doing that kind of swap? I'm not huge on acquiring jalen smith just because
1: your opportunity cost is just not there if he pops for you and plays great you're capped at what you can resign him for because of the fact that phoenix yeah. declined his third year uh, rookie scale team option so that that leaves you in a tough spot whereas everybody else could sign him for whatever they want to um, and that that's in that number is so low at um only seven seven million that what becomes a challenge is you're talking he doesn't even need to be great. He just needs to be pretty good. And if he's pretty good, yeah. then what that means is a team could throw him seven million, and you're that's it, you're out. you
0: so you real quick, have- you talked that there's only three teams with cap space this summer. Right. however, Everybody's got that mid-level exception. Yep. At the very worst, they have the taxpayer exception. Yep. So the mid-level is about 10 a year. Yep. The taxpayer is about six a year. Both yep. of those are bigger than Smith's 4.7 that exactly. any receiving team could offer, Smith.
1: Yep. Yeah. So that's the tough part, right? If he pops, like great, this is awesome. And now what yeah. do we
0: do? Um,
1: right. so you're almost kind of acquiring him and you're hoping. I hope you're just good enough that we want to keep you, but not so good that we want to, uh, that anybody else will want you. Um, So that's the only reason why I don't like the idea of acquiring Jalen Smith. Yeah, sure. Beyond that, I have no real issue with it. Um, I don't think for where the Celtics are and where they're likely going, not having Dennis Schroeder the rest of the year is going to make all that big of a difference. I think you could easily move on from him, Uh, replace him with Peyton Purchard's probably not going to be as good, but then you're transitioning to developmental minutes. Um, you probably would get another veteran point guard in there just to be a kind of placeholder guy to help uh, the rest of the way. So I have no, I, I don't have any real issue with going that direction just because um, I think, I think it has other benefits beyond just, you know, the what it would cost you to lose Schroeder.
0: Right. Yeah. That's the thing is uh, the sons wouldn't be losing much. The Celtics wouldn't be losing much, but it's just not really powerful. for The same reason you want to get rid of Dennis Schroeder because you can't re-sign him this summer. It's a reason not to acquire Jalen Smith because you can't re-sign him this mm-hmm. summer because yeah. you wouldn't just sit him on the bench and not play him. He's actually yeah. turned out to be yeah. a very productive player when he's mm-hmm. out there. Yep. My uh, latest comps, and, and this these could be totally off, but he's somewhere between, and I'm not sure if you're old enough, Keith, you're a young pup, uh, but somewhere between a Hakeem Warwick yeah, you Oh yeah, oh yeah, game? of course, yeah. Come on, I'm not sure. In today's <laughs> in today's NBA, <laughs> work might spot as as a as a part time five yeah. because he didn't have a stretch game. Yep. Jalen Smith has a little bit of a stretch game where he can shoot threes, um, and and somewhere between Hakeem Work and a Rishon Holmes who. It turned out he in his third year, second year, third year, he was a a bit guy like this and too mm-hmm. undersized to play center. But he's really been a center his whole career. Goes to the Kings, gets a starting job, doesn't make them very good, you know. And he's got a ceiling. And at his very best, he earned 11 million dollars a year. But he's still a very functional, productive guy that mm-hmm. that teams can can use and 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 uh, fill up stat sheets with. But not necessarily a guy you win. 50 plus games with, but um, so he's functional. I think Jalen Smith has played himself into a functional player, which makes it hard for an acquiring team. Because like you said, if he pops like this for 20 straight games, 30 straight games, you suddenly can't afford to keep him. So are you only the, are you only, are you only the uh, caretaker for him for a couple of months is the problem. All right. The last thing I wanted to, um, I got one more question for you. Uh, Where did it go? Yes. So if you were going, To make a trade, if you were the Phoenix Suns and you were going to make a trade at the deadline, is there something that goes that you've been in your mind going, ooh, they should do that?
1: Yeah, there's been been a couple. I I and I think the big thing is I I want them to use the Dario Sarch contract to go get something and that's obviously the key to doing anything big and why that becomes really important is that is salary matching without with zero production loss because he's he's obviously out and hasn't given them anything on the court and that that's big whenever you can do that that that's that's huge so i think for the sons if they're willing to to put him together with you know, maybe it is Jalen Smith, it, you know, all of a sudden now you're up you know, over $12 million uh, in matching salary headed out. Now what you could really look at is are right, where, where do we want to go? Or do you, you know, put those two guys together with a, you know, Abdel Nader and now you're, you're, you're starting to stack salaries. And what I think for the sons is, I think that there's a couple different things that they could use. And a guy who I think makes a ton of sense for them, that I think would be a fantastic fit is Harrison Barnes. Um, I think he would really come in and be a big time player for them because you don't have to start him. You could bring him off the bench behind uh, Crowder and Bridges. And now, what you've done is, and, and I'm a big Cam Johnson guy, I have come around on him uh, majorly ever since they kind of uh, reinvented him as a small ball four in the bubble. Um, I've really kind of come around on him. But I think. One more guy, and I'll tell you what a what a GM in the league told me about Harrison Barnes is. If you need him to be your third best guy, he'll be your third best guy. If you need him to be your sixth best guy, he'll be your sixth best guy. There's no ego at all. He just wants to win, just wants to play and win. And I think that would be huge for them because that starts to unlock some, I don't even want to call them small ball lineups, but lineups where they have a little bit more Functional size out there mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you need that. And we've seen, I think, where they've gotten in trouble in the past, and it's hard to bring too much of this because they have obviously went to the finals, but it has been if Crowder and Bridges are off or they get in foul trouble then it yeah. starts to become a little trickier to work around. And, you, of course, you don't have Sarch to go to there, so that really means you're going to Johnson, and that starts to get a little tricky. And you could probably get by against an awful lot of teams they may run into. If you wanted to play Barnes as a super small ball five or even Crowder at, at the five with Barnes at the four, you could probably get away with that for for chunks of games if you needed to you know, just to do that. So I think he's a guy who could really help. I, I think there's a lot of – different players of that ilk that they could go get. I don't love the Jeremy Grant idea that, that some of floated out there is, you know, maybe he could be a player just cause I don't think he's going to acquiesce to a small of a role as they need mm-hmm. somebody to play. Cause you don't need somebody coming in and like, Hey,
0: Devin Booker, one hundred twenty points again. Get out of my way,
1: right? You know, DeAndre, and you now you get five shots a night. Like you don't need that. You just need someone who's going to come in, play a role, do what's asked of them. And then, of course, I mean, let me be the last of the millions to say, you know, if if all else fails, go get Thaddeus Young, right? Because he's just kind of chilling there in San Antonio, waiting. And and I think there's still you know a pretty good player in there that could help. Um, And that has the added benefit of. You didn't take on anything long term, whereas yeah. if it was Barnes or a guy like Grant, I personally think it's a benefit to have them for the next couple of years uh, under contract. But sometimes I don't know that that's how the sons think of things. So they may rather prefer to. hey. Let's, well, you know, actually, let's what the way.
0: sons have done. Yeah. To that point, I just looked up Harrison Barnes contract. He's got one year left after this at $18 million. If the Suns wanted to make that work, that lines up perfectly with they only guaranteed Chris Paul two full yep. years, the only guaranteed campaign two full years. They're wanting, they're trying to do the uh, set themselves up for post Chris Paul at yep. the same time as running for the finals. And Harrison Barnes would actually fit in that, whereas Jeremy Grant would not necessarily. Nope. Like you said, he wouldn't want a small enough role like the Suns are offering. And he wants Harrison too much Harrison Barnes money. would take it. And he wants too much money on a re-sign, whereas Harrison yep. Barnes is closer to the end of his career where he would, he would be much more reasonable to decide whether to keep or not after another year. Yep. Keith, thank you so much for your time. Hey, let me throw uh,
1: one more at you, too. Sure. Just, just to throw one more at you they really wanted to get involved just to get get another guy. Terrence Ross is super acquirable from the magic would not be a huge cost to go get him. And then you're bringing him in and there, there's a little bit more bench shooting. Um, he probably yeah. in effect replaces Landry Shamit. And I think Ross is a little bit more of a proven option there. And again, a guy who's only got one more year after this year and, you know, yeah very reasonable contract. So, so that's another guy that I think could make some sense if you're you're going there and I think a lot will be driven upon where are we at with Cameron Payne? Because if he if this is really only 2 weeks, whatever, write it out, we'll get by with Alfred Payton, no big deal. If that turns into, yeah, this might turn into four or six weeks or even something that's going to bug him, then I think a guy like Schroeder could start to make a little bit more sense as far as we need to get some yeah. point card help in that's here. That's kind of why I was
0: going back on the Schroeder yeah. thing. The other name that's floating around, Sunsdom, is Eric Gordon. Yeah, He's $18 million as well. He's got another year yeah. of this, although it's only guaranteed if his team wins the championship, which the Suns yep. won.
1: <laughs> but again it's you know it's funny you say that because i see people say like because al horford has similar contract language yeah. for the celtics and my whole thing is like if you acquire either al horford or gordon and you win the championship you happily two years from now pay them you know yeah. 20 million dollars to say hey thanks for that because we're right you that's know, the we, we that's the tax right exactly. Yeah, exactly that's <laughs> it yep you know, yeah you know, it's, it's just like as a fan you're obligated to go buy a whole crap ton of merchandise well as the team i'm obligated to pay you and and that's offset by those fans buying a whole crap ton of merchandise because we want a title
0: that's right all right keith thank you so much tell us where we can find you around the web
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at keith smith nba um very active on twitter i'll be hopefully very active over the next couple weeks uh leading up to what i hope is an extremely busy trade deadline Mm -hmm. uh all league-wide things you can find me over at spot track uh Over at Track, I believe we have the most accurate and timely Mm -hmm. uh, updated, publicly available NBA salary information. Everything you want is there. We include it in that. We have a manage tool. Where you can pick a team and you can Make trades and re-signings and do All the stuff you want to do uh, right now You could do trades or you could take it all the way Into next off-season and start Like you're building the roster from there uh, With that so we we, we have A lot of tools over there all sorts of Stuff free agent lists all kinds of things Over there and then if anybody is what is going on with the Celtics? You can find my, my work at Celtics blog as well. I work there. And then NBA front office show. Uh, that is uh, Trevor Lane and I do a daily show Monday through Friday. Uh, it's on YouTube and uh, podcast. Any uh, podcast player, we can find it where we talk all rumors, news, notes, and then break down anything as it does happen uh, in the league transaction wise.
0: All right. Thank you so much, uh, folks. You can find me. I'm Dave King NBA on Twitter and uh, brightsideofthesun.com is the is the website. We cover all things Phoenix Suns. And of course, this podcast. Keith, thank thank you so much for your time today. And I'm sure we'll be in touch if, the, if, the, if there's big trades and all that and salary cap implications. I would love to have you back.
1: I appreciate it. Time. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it.
0: All right. Thanks. Hey, this is Dave. Before you go, I just need one more minute of your time. Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at BrightsideOfTheSun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who put their lives on the line to save others. Now, we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You are either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. You make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to suns.com slash brightside. That's suns.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes, and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this, and I hope it's going to be one of yours, too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's suns.com/brightside